0: Relatively Geeky presents JL May 2020 Countdown to Infinite Crisis. In this mega podcast crossover, comic book podcasters from around the geekiest corners of the podcastiverse have joined forces to talk about this event. And just to clarify, we're not talking about Infinite Crisis, we're talking about the event before the event. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. You remember the one that had some pretty good miniseries in it. And here we're going to be talking about one of those pretty good miniseries. Oops, spoilers. The Return of Adam Strange, aka Planet Heist. Now, this is the second time that I've participated in JL May. The last time was 2018 when we all talked about the Silver Age. And for this one, all props go to podcasting's Michael Bailey, who pitched this series for J.L. May 2020, I think literally as J.L. May 2019 was wrapping up. He organized the effort, put together the spreadsheet of all the issues mini miniseries, and then invited a whole bunch of us to pick and choose what, if anything, appealed to us. And not surprisingly, when I saw an Adam Strange mini- I signed up for it immediately. Unfortunately, someone else also signed up immediately, but we'll get to that in a few minutes after we take a break, when I and a guest will cover the eight issues in question. But Michael did a great job keeping us organized over the, almost a full year, putting together the promo, getting the logo, and really just keeping all of us chuckleheads in line. It's good work. Mr. Bailey. Now, before we start here, let me tell you where else you can go get J.L. May content. It all starts in a show on Michael's Podcast Network, and appropriately so. Views from the long box. And then it continues in, and these are not in order. You can listen to whichever you want to in whatever order you want to. But the event does continue into these podcasts. The Fire and Water podcast. Robin, everyone loves the Drake. Justice's First Dawn, Pop Culture Affidavit, The Fan Holes, Married with Comics, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Task, Force, X, Coffee and Comics, Dr. DC, The Longbox Crusade, and Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace. Enjoy. And since I don't think this info is in the body of the episode, I will invite you, after you listen, to send feedback for this episode. And that feedback can be sent via email at relativelygeeky@gmail.com, gmail.com or as a comment on the Facebook or blog post for this episode. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. So, let's take a break here, and when we come back, two of us, podcaster-type people, will talk all about The Return of Adam Strange, a.k.a. Planet Heist. Because this is
1: J.L. May. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown, which at this very moment still prevails, and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, kaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive, at 2TrueFreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city smashing reality.
0: And we're back. And by we, I don't just mean me and all the Doctor Doom figures. I. Uh, liberated from my office recently since, you know, I'm not going to be there for a while. I mean me and a man who has been on the receiving end of social distancing ever since he learned to talk. (laughs) And since then, he hasn't stopped. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Shag! Woo! Hooray! Yay me!
2: <laughs> I am so excited to be back here on the Relatively Geeky Network. It's very exciting. Thank you for... I thought after last time, I thought the restraining order was still in effect, but I guess with all the law changes, that uh, yes, that got yep. that got washed away. So, great! <laughs>
0: if I had to be quarantined on Skype with somebody, Shag, I'm glad it's you.
2: Wow! <laughs> you bald face lie that easily. That's yeah, amazing. Though. It's a skill. <laughs> so, I have some questions for you. Yep. Uh, you've already told the people at home... Um, what we're going to be talking about, yep. I assume. I don't know because I wasn't that, I wasn't invited for the intro, by the way. <laughs> so I need to know though upfront. How much did you pay for these comic books, sir? I paid three
0: dollars and fifty cents.
2: Three dollars and fifty cents. All right, I'm getting out the calculator here. All right, three fifty divided by eight issues is forty three point seven five cents. Inflation. So this is not I... the quarter bin. I, I take issue with... But, you know, you this have a reputation n- I, I never stop being irredeemable <laughs> just because I'm on somebody else's show. I cannot condone this ridiculous gerrymandering that's been going on for months on the Relatively Geeky Network. You have been campaigning for 33-cent books. You've been campaigning for 50 cents. Where does it end, Professor? Did 60 Minutes, you know the show on CBS, did they ever change their format to be an hour and a half? No. You keep with your policy. Is this the... Quarterbin plus podcast no it's fake news that's what this is folks that's what this is it's bad enough that every politician lies and misrepresents the facts but now economics professors are i just i can't abide this kind of behavior
0: well so you'll never be on the Quarterbin podcast again but it's a good thing that this is not that
2: oh come on sooner or later you're going to need to do another ultraverse book and who else are you going to call <laughs> that,
0: that is true that <laughs> you mean other than
2: dave gutierrez
0: he's not going to answer your call
2: Last time you talked to him, you had on, to call from my phone. It,
0: it was on your phone. That was the only exactly. way you would answer. I know. Exactly. I know. <laughs> Man, you know, you have one bad experience at Gallifrey One, and, and a guy just, uh, I don't know what to say.
2: Anyway. There's but, a whole history with your people offending us. I mean, obviously, David doesn't talk to you. Your wife tried to kill me with a car, and, and none of these things are lies. And I know uh, a lot of us are thinking, what could have been?
0: <laughs> what could have Oh, uh, All right. So what you're saying is self-isolation and quarantine is sort of getting to you in the brain pan. Is that what we're led to? It could be. You? It could okay. be. <laughs> now, uh, so let me ask you a question Uh-oh. before we get going. Where does Adam Strange fall into your comic book reading or fandom or your DC fandom? Because spoilers, I really like the guy. I heard that
2: rumor. In those episodes. So, um, okay. So this this came out in 2004. It's cover dated November 2004. Obviously, it would have been a couple months before that. Prior to the publication of issue number one of this miniseries. And Adams, I couldn't give a rat's butt about Adam Strange <laughs> at that point. I thought he looked ridiculous. Actually, I still think he looks ridiculous prior to this miniseries. Um, I couldn't stand his look. I thought every comic I ever read with him was boring. I thought the whole uh, Zeta beam back and forth to Ron was, was okay. It was a neat gimmick. But other than that, I just couldn't care about this character. And this miniseries changed Everything for me. I finally, you know, got, if you will, in air quotes, Adam Strange. after so, this so what
0: you're saying is the intergalactic love story, that 25 billion miles of space between Adam and Alana just didn't chip away at your cold, dead heart?
2: No, not at all. <sighs> it's a, it's sort of like Stella and I's relationship. You know, it's <laughs> just so far apart and sometimes we're together. It's, it's kind of similar.
1: <laughs>
0: It's going to get me in so much trouble. Uh, Well, like I said, I'm a big fan from the Strange Adventure days, Mystery in Space, all of that stuff. uh, From those Silver Age stuff. Now, I readily admit that Adam Strange may be one of those concepts that doesn't work in 2020 or beyond. New stories are few and far between for him. And, you know, maybe like, uh, like you know, somehow, like, like maybe the Metal Man or some of those other characters where, you know, if, if you can get a miniseries out of them every couple of years, they're doing pretty well. I would put the Doom Patrol in that category, you would think, but they've somehow managed to, to well, it's uh, just... always get a weird
2: iteration every decade or so. Yeah, that that that's why that works. But so I will argue with you, surprise, uh, that I don't think Adam Strange's days should be over. Because this miniseries and the subsequent Ranthangar War introduced a very galactic-hopping, high-adventure, very modern, high-tech version of Adam Strange. Yeah. I mean, not really any different. Just put a polish on him, really, and put some high-adventure stuff in there that works in our Guardians of the Galaxy That's post-universe. That's I mean, I,
0: I, I like sci-fi in my comics, so.
2: Yeah. And, and and I read in addition to reading the Adam Strange miniseries, rereading, I should say, I reread the Ray and Thanagar War this past weekend as well, which I actually liked a lot better this time around. There's a lot to love and again, this, this sort of Guardians of the Galaxy sort of high adventure space, you know, cool super stuff going on. Wow, that's a whole lot of eighth grade descriptions. But uh it it I think there's a niche. I think it could work with the right writer. I'd I'd love to see it. So the thing that blows my mind is this miniseries that we're reading. It feels to me as I read it right now, it feels super fresh. It feels very current. Yeah. It feels exciting. And I realized it's 16 years old now, <laughs> which blew my mind. Because when I read this thing, I'd been reading comics for 20 years. And at that point, I felt like that had been my, my whole life. I've been reading comics my whole life. And it's been almost 20 years since, since it came out yes. now. Just shocks me that it's – I mean they're – there's people running around driving cars that weren't even born when this thing came out, and that just blows my mind because it it still feels extremely contemporary. But again, I think that's down to sort of the sci-fi angle.
0: That tends to not date it as much as the ray gun and the jetpack do flying around on Earth. You know, yeah, here's yeah, something. If, more if, I think if, about if it, if you change the concept, it seems less 1950s rah rah golden age of sci-fi.
2: Thinking about all the tech he's got and stuff in this. Like, the iPhone hadn't even been invented when this came out, <laughs> if I remember my technology timeline right. But uh, Sardaf in... already had. hmm Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, just saying, uh, you know, Adam's a little ahead of his time.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, let's get to our comics. That's what the people have tuned in for, not our witty banter. Well, maybe our witty banter also.
2: It's Adam Strange. They're not Man. here to listen to the comics. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, like we've said, we're covering the eight-issue series, technically called The Return of Adam Strange, but it's uh, Planet Heist, uh, parts one through eight, cover date, as you said, November 2004 to June of 2005, and I want to start with the covers, and not you know one at a time, but cause all of the covers are written by, pa- or drawn by Pascal Ferry. All of the stories are written by Andy Diggle, and Ferry does the interior art as well. But, And actually, even before I, I get that far, I do have a couple of comments, because I had these comics out, and uh, my wife took a look at it and lo- looked at the cover and said, Andy Diggle, why does that name sound
2: familiar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we've watched CW crossovers, that's why. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Here's a mind blower. You know, you know, the reason the character's named Diggle is because he did that Green Arrow uh, first year, year one, whatever, miniseries that was so well received. And this actually predates that. He hadn't even written that Green Arrow series when he wrote this Adam Strange series.
0: Oh, wow. Because it was 16 years ago. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I asked you this beforehand. What format you read this in, and it's it's the same as mine, the physical issues and then the DC Universe app. Yep. Did, I do want to hear from someone who has either the trade of it, or the, the comicsology version, because in the credits of issue two, the last mm-hmm. last page of issue two, Pascal Ferry is spelled as Pasquale, hmm. from a you know, tra- traditional sort of French. A uh, uh, name Pascal to yeah. a little more uh, Spanish uh, spice to his last to, to his first name. They call him
2: Pasqual. Well, here's something interesting. In I'm looking at issue number eight, and so, on the credits page of the of the actual DC Universe app itself, so not the comic, yeah. the actual uh, app itself, it actually spells it as Qu- Pasqual as well. Oh wow! I wonder if perhaps that's the actual spelling yeah, of his well, name.
0: Well, I wonder if either one, if either one yeah. works, because it is Pascal. Pascal on all the covers and yep. all the other. So there is a, there is a uh, difference somewhere along the line. So mm.
2: blame somebody. Interesting. The very last issue. Yes. Because he, he signs a lot of his pages. Ah, like, okay. W- once in a while, it's kind of irritating actually, because like you're in the <laughs> middle of the issue and he does a cool splash page and there's a signature. You're like, well, I don't want to see that. I know you're trying to sell this later in the aftermarket, but come on. Anyway, the last page, he actually signed it with his name, the color's name, and Diggle. Which I thought oh, was kind of nice God, to nice. give the whole team credit. Good. So, um,
0: I think the covers of this are really good. I think they're all mm-hmm. very striking. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you have one or two that that stand out in particular?
2: Absolutely. There's, there's three particular ones that I like the best. Uh, issue one, two and eight. Issue one is a close up of uh, his face with this new, you know, larger helmet. Very sci fi looking uh, modern day sci fi, I should say. Number two, he uh, by he I should mean Adam Strange, of course. Uh, issue number two, he's standing there. He's got his arms thrust back, his head back. He's like screaming like, you know, gone kind of thing. <laughs> and you see, you know, a galactic map. And Ryan and it's missing and it says lost in space and anything that says lost in space gets my attention anyway because I'm a sucker for that old show. And there's, you know, there's a nice cool space sca- skate yep. behind him. And then issue number eight is just this great, beautiful, iconic shot. He's in the middle with all, with the new armor and he's got a million guns and on one side of the – and behind him <laughs> there's like a duo shaded. There's a bright area with Iranian soldiers and then there's a dark area with the Thanagarian soldiers, which in number eight it was so iconic that they ended up using that as the cover of the trade. Oh, now okay. what covers do you like?
0: I like number three just because it has that excellent pun. Mis- I've misery in space. Might. Come on, in the mystery in space font, even. Come yes.
2: on, you can't beat that. I thought you'd like that. And there's a hot chick on the front, so well, there you go. Well, you know that. that
0: that that's your specialty. I like issue two.
2: You like issue two? Lost yeah. in space? Yeah. It's it's really sharp.
0: It's 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 compelling. Just the the agony the the pain that's clearly in his uh, you described in his, in in his con posture
2: mhm to be fair there's not a bad cover in the whole no, series
0: no they're all striking they're all, they're all consistent you know they are the same artist but you can tell they're the same artist
2: yeah it's got to be the covers that got me to pick it up like i don't remember what drove me to pick this up off the shelf, off the rack. Because again, it's Adam Strange. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> in 2004. Yeah. And something drove me to pick it up and, and I bought it. And, and I didn't just like buy, you know, and from issue eight backwards. No, I bought from issue one forwards. Mm-hmm. So clearly it was Let's enough see. to get my interest. There you go. In terms of talking about these issues, I'm going to do them
0: two at a time. So I've got the synopses for one and two and then chat a little bit, then three and four, et cetera and uh, the synopses that I'm using are based on those at the DC Wikia and the late lamented comic book DB. Oh. So we start with uh, issue one. We have a disheveled Adam Strange, frustrated by his inability to see his wife Alana and daughter Aaliyah back on Ran. He's been taken in by the Gotham PD. We're investigating an explosion that occurred at his house he describes his origins to the detective about how he went from the champion of Ran to shiftless bum on Earth. We get a quick backstory of Adam and Zeta Beams and Sardath and Alana. and The, the detective uh, doesn't quite believe him, as in doesn't believe him at all. <laughs> the key is that the Zeta Beam, scheduled to take him home, never appeared. He called on the aid of Superman to check it out, who breaks the bad news to him, Ran's primary star when supernova and the entire system is destroyed. Adam, of course, assumes that Superman was at least able to save his family, but no. The police detective leaves the room and Adam frees himself from his handcuffs and escapes only to run into an alien bathed in zeta beam radiation. It's a bounty hunter tells him that the supernova was a fake and that ran disappeared before the star blew. (gasps) DA DA DA! Issue 2 starts with Adam battling another bounty hunter, a big ugly guy. This guy fires a few warheads at Strange, but he is an expert at jetpack flying, manages to dodge and maneuver until he destroys that bounty hunter with his own missile. After the battle, Strange returns to his destroyed apartment and looks for the secret cache of Ranian gear, which he has stored there. He suits up, activates the Zeta Transporter, and heads to Ran. The scale of the destruction is unimaginable. Where the Alpha Centauri star system used to be, there's only an expanding pile of the superheated plasma and planetary debris. And as he realizes that somebody stole the planet, all of his systems overheat, completely fail, and shut down. Now, I'm in trouble. I like the mystery aspects of how this series starts. You've got sort of that 50s sci-fi look, but he's, he's trying to do some detective work, solve some high-tech sci-fi mystery here. What do you What do you think of how this gets off to a start?
2: The first note I have written down is love that it drops you right in the middle of a mystery. Mm-hmm. So, it, cause it, cause it doesn't just, the, the mystery doesn't evolve. It's right there from the beginning. You're, you, you can't start, but going, what's going on? What is happening here? And these, they really dole it out slowly enough to debate you, and it keeps you on the hook and makes you want to know what's happening next. Now, I did have a moment of worry the first time I read this way back in 2004 was that I was worried that this was going to be one of those kind of retcons where we find out that he imagined all of Ran. Like, he was never the hero. Of the I, was, or
0: I was terrified of that. Yeah. Because about 10, 15 years before in the, uh, the Man of Two Worlds trade paperbacks that I covered on the quarter bin, that was attempted to be a gritty... Reboot. Yep. And it, it didn't take, thank goodness. But right, Alana was dead in that, yeah. Yes. And I thought, oh, they're going to try something like that again. Reboot, start from scratch. But no. And now I have a note right here, having not read this in a long time, but mm-hmm. I made this note right after I read the first one, because I've read a lot of Adam Strange stories, and I had a prediction. That Sardath is to blame because if it's an Adam Strange story, he's usually to blame. So that just throwing that out here, here in issue one.
2: I have that in my notes much later to ask you. Isn't it weird that Sardath isn't the bad guy? <laughs> because he always is. Yes, yes. Now I have a note uh, here as well, right off the first issue, right a few pages in during with the in, the recap, which I thought was a really right. good introduction to the character, especially for someone new. My note is Alana, so hot. Um, just, I got to put it out there. Now, it, kudos to the artist here, uh, Pascal Ferry. His art is astonishing, man. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It's fluid. It's almost like he didn't even ink it. It's it's like he pencils it. I don't know. It's almost like he pencils it really heavy or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. And also, we got to give credit to the colorists because, I mean, yeah. he didn't color it himself. He's got a different colorist on top of it. It is absolutely breathtaking. I mean one of the things I we'll get into this a little later but like issue 1 and 2 are both very very good but truthfully there's really only enough story there probably for one issue I think because mm-hmm. it's is the interrogation and then there's the fight with the bounty hunters really that's it. Yeah. But it was a pretty cool fight with the bounty hunters. Exactly. It's so freaking pretty. I don't mind it being too much. <laughs> that's the thing it's like normally a de- you know um Decompress. decompressed storytelling gets on my nerves. I don't care here because it's so you know and there are scenes here that are completely uh, not pat, they're not padded but there's scenes in here that don't have to be in here from a storytelling right. perspective you'd like okay we could cut this down some truthfully this miniseries if you just hone in on the important beats you could make it 4 issues easy but I don't mind one bit. it's just I mean this is am I wrong in saying this is one of the most beautifully illustrated it superhero is. comics it I've is. ever and, heard and I, you know
0: I'm I'm not an art aficionado and that's part of why this stands out to me so much is that it's it's really quite different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's
0: Whatever it is about it, I can't describe, but it definitely stands out to me. You know, there's not a lot of humor in this. So I like the bit in the start of issue two, where mm-hmm. they're having a fight in the sky, yeah. and there, there's a plane flying by. Yes! And the pilot is just basically commentating, you know, if you look out to the left, you see the river. If you look out to the right, you see two guys in jetpacks fighting each other. You know, it's just like this is
2: ordinary.
0: This right. would be normal.
2: Well, it is Gotham City. So you exactly. think about it, he's probably seen the bat plane, the batwing, the batcopter. He's all these things, right? And and there's a little damage done to a Wayne
0: Enterprise, to a Wayne property.
2: But he says Wayne's got the money. Yeah, so. he can
0: fix it. No big deal. Now, you said
2: I, there's no funny in here, but there are yeah. some good jokes in the first issue from the police inspector who doesn't believe anything he's saying. He says one bit about how, like, you know, because, you know, he's claiming to be this basically a superhero from another planet. And he's like, sure, whatever. You know, just yesterday, we had a Sunday school teacher in here claiming to be Wonder Woman. Personally, I didn't think he had the legs for it, which was which a funny bit. And then when he starts talking about the Zeta beams, the guy goes, Catherine Zeta, what? I finally got his attention. Finally got his attention. Right. So uh, I thought those were cute. I thought the aliens looked great. They're yeah. The one chomping the cigar. I mean, because a lot of times when you try and push an alien to a very alien look, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it seems corny, you know.
0: They look great. You had the little guy and the and the the bigger ugly one. They, yep. they work as a team. They're a couple.
2: Yep. Yeah, they are. Literally. So yeah. It was
0: the bounty, bounty hunter team. Uh, very clever stuff.
2: And the jetpack stuff with the aerial combat was yeah. super fun. I mean, it felt very—I don't know if you—I'm a big fan of the Rocketeer movie. I'm not a mm. expert, okay, kind of right? Me, but I sure. love the movie. It's so much fun. And uh, you know, in, in here, he, there's the whole running battle. You know, in throughout the two issues, like we're learning that he's—he has knowledge about the jetpacks. He's doing math on his rate of descent and all the stuff, mm. showing that he's a man of science. And he's using aerial combat features. And then there's other times where he's just hanging on for dear life. It's just—it's just really exciting. Getting off to a good start. Yeah, very much so. So issue three starts with, uh,
0: you know, strange in outer space, we said, his equipment's failing and the heat of the system's making him hallucinate. All hope seems lost until a Thanagarian ship stumbles upon him. After curing him of radiation poisoning and heat exposure, they begin the questioning. They return his gear, but only after installing a tracking device. While looking through the Thanagarian computers, Strange realizes that two star systems have been switched, and the hot lady captain of the ship attempts to reason (laughs) with her (laughs) Thanagar superiors to spare a ship in hopes of finding something in the other system, but instead they just want to execute him. And he makes a valiant attempt to escape, but is stopped and brought in for a trial, where he is pinned with the destruction of the Rand Star System. And i got to give the Thanagarian government credit. They are way more efficient than any other government because he is quickly found guilty and immediately prepped for execution.
2: Um, I don't know that credit <laughs> is the right thing. I mean, That's something about that. The expression That's impressive. <laughs> have you heard the expression kangaroo court ever before? <laughs> I mean, I realize they're birds, not kangaroos, but I'm just saying. Okay, there's a little bit baby, of that going on here. baby. <laughs>
0: So in Issue 4, he has been sentenced to death uh, moments before being decapitated. He's suddenly teleported out by the hot commander of the ship that found him.
2: I'm sensing a pattern.
0: What? (laughs) (laughs) She returns his flight suit and demands that he exact vengeance on the people responsible for the supposed destruction of Ran. But we also learn that she has a secret master. After Zeta beaming to the Hydra Nebula, Adam finds a research station inside of which dwell, are you ready, Shag? The Omega Men! (gasps) Oh, those guys! (laughs) They take him in, explain their situation. They've got a precog on the team who's been having visions about a world-ending Omega event. And they think Adam Strange has something to do with it. Also on the ship is some kind of massive structure with a containment field or in, inside a containment field. Strange manages to break into that. But uh, before there can be some uh, analysis, their precog attacks one of the other Omega Men. Da-da-da. <laughs> you know, one of the things I liked is this interstellar rivalry between mm-hmm. Ran and Thanagar that they've sort of developed over the years. Because that was not—I don't think the case in the Silver Age. My impression is, I, they, Hawkman and Adam Strange. I—I th- I think they more often than not fit the mode of well, they're both heroes, so they're probably best friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Also, that,
0: like always happens. But I, I, you know, so I'm not sure where this planetary rivalry <sighs> sort of got got seeded into it. But I kind of like it. It—I—I it, it, I think it adds a. Add some nuance that we have heroes on Earth who could also be rivals.
2: You fail as my Adam Strange expert, because that was one of my questions for later, is where did this rivalry start? I was guessing the pages of like a Justice League comic, probably, because yeah. that's where you would get Adam Strange and Hawkman both. But I, I don't know the origins of it either.
0: I'm not sure if it's part of sort of you know, re-engineering Hawkman to be you know, tougher and rougher. Or interesting. <laughs> Look, I've, I've got Jack and Eddie on speed dial. You need <laughs> answers. <or> why. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Sanagarin's not really a fan of Earth either, often. So I just, I do kind of like that. But uh, most importantly, in this issue, we meet Wing Commander Shri Valkyr. Now, I'm just curious, how would you rate her, like, I know her appearance or her uh, attractiveness? All
2: right, folks, let's take a, a couple steps back here real quick and understand <laughs> that this question the professor has asked me is, is I believe the genuine whole reason I'm here. Uh, in all the discussions we've had, this question seems to keep coming up. I think there's some sort of fixation going on on Thanagarian Wind commander. I call her Valkyrie, but you're probably right. Probably is Valkyrie. Sure, yes, she is sexy because she's pretty much naked and she's got all kinds of sharp edges and and stuff like that. But for me, it, it's really like sexy in a like a, an Aeon flux kind of way <laughs> if you would agree i don't know or, or heavy metal or something that's how i see it yeah. and it doesn't do much for me whereas instead the hallucination he had in this issue with alana by the way i forgot that did i mention that she is so hot did i, did I say anything about that
0: pascal Ferry knows how to draw women yes. and make them sexy
2: i would just say uh, alana all day long over valkyr without a doubt so the, again if you dig Aeon Flux this lady is for you <laughs> yeah I promise you <laughs> so. also one
0: note I made after reading issue three mm-hmm. I'm starting to think maybe it's not Sardath I'm just I'm just <laughs> gonna keep a running just a running note of my my thoughts as I was as I was reading this
2: I was not convinced it wasn't Sardath until I finished issue eight of the Ranthanagar War <laughs> Because <laughs> I was convinced even in there they might reveal he was behind everything in the previous miniseries. I was like, I, I, and, I'm waiting. And there's still a chance we could retcon that. That's so he true. was. That's we true. could decide in 2020 that he was, in fact, behind yeah. it all. I yeah. will say, this is the first time that the Omega Men have ever held my interest. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I seem to remember
0: uh, certain uh, Who's Who podcasts where Whew. Omega Men, not necessarily your favoritist
2: team no not even remotely and i've tried to read issues of the comic and i don't like it and it's uh it's rough and so this is the first time that uh i i have found a version of the omega men that i didn't like my stomach didn't cringe at the the aspect of they're pretty cool they're pretty interesting although i will say issue four while it was still fun issue four specifically is where i really did feel like it's kind of a spinning its wheels issue Mm, like this whole plot of this other space station that they're they're investigating and what happens, issue quite honestly, in issue five as well. I don't want to call it padding because it's not. It's interesting and it forwards some plot points. But if you're really trying to cut the story down, you could have cut four and five super easy. Now, you found an article
0: interview with Andy Diggle.
2: It, it was uh, an interview with Andy Diggle. Yeah.
0: And that explains perhaps why the Omega Men and some other folks ended up in this series.
2: Yeah. What really started me digging was I, I wrote up all my notes on this thing. And there's a couple of like patterns I started to notice, one of which was when we get to issue eight, I'm peeking forward a little bit, but there is a hard left turn right at the end <laughs> and it, it ends the miniseries. The, the story feels complete. And then the last few pages, you have this hard left turn that says, oh, no, wait, it's a cliffhanger. And you're like, where did that come from? So I started thinking about it, which, which then leads into, by the way, uh, a lead up to Infinite Crisis. So I started doing some research and, and I found all kinds of interesting information, specifically uh, an interview, as you said, with, with Andy Diggle done just last year about this miniseries and, and what he said was basically he was charged with a uh, or Dan Didio offered in the book and they said basically what they want to do is just dust off these characters make them a little bit more modern a little more user friendly so he's not really reinventing Adam Strange he's just making them a little more modern so that's what they did but they also gave him this laundry list of stuff they that they wanted or they at least being editorial or Dan Didio, they wanted the Omega Men in it uh, they wanted the Dark Stars in it and we'll talk more about Dark Stars Spoilers. a little bit later Well, all right. How much do you want me to... I'm just kidding. Uh... So I'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, they wanted the Dark Stars. They wanted the Omega Men. They wanted the villain. Uh, and we'll get to it. He's, the, the villain was specifically handed to him. And he thought, wow, this guy's super cheesy. So he went and did a bunch of research <laughs> and tried to figure out how to make him not cheesy. So basically, before he'd even written the first page, he was given a whole bunch of stuff. And he was told that this was going to lead to something else. And when we get to issue eight, we'll talk more about right. that. But yeah, right. so um, that's why you see the Omega Men in here. That's why you'll see these other characters.
0: You know, sometimes we feel or we assume we imagine that we see the hand of editorial directing a writer. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear that confirmed. <laughs> that that well, really does happen.
2: Keep in mind, this is two thousand four. I mean, this is when, uh, well, it apparently got worse around two thousand eleven. But yeah. DC, you know, there was a really strong editorial hand for quite a while yeah, there, yeah. and you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean that can work. I just, yeah. it's it's it just the
0: fact of it being confirmed yeah. is it is interesting.
2: And as people are listening to JLA May uh, or JL May, sorry, I should get that right, and hearing all the different podcasts about Infinite Crisis stuff, I would say that this was the one time in history that the strong editorial hand was really, really effective for DC. Like mm-hmm. everything, uh, all the stuff leading up to Infinite Crisis, including this miniseries, is firing on all thrusters. It's mostly really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just later that it went to a really darker place.
0: So halfway through the mini series, I'm still intrigued. I'm interested. You're thinking it may be slowing just a little bit here in the middle.
2: Sagging, <laughs> sagging just a little or or slowing down a step. I didn't notice it on the first or second read, but the okay. third read. Ah, okay. <laughs> since I know what the endpoints are, True. I know what the important checkpoints are now, I'm able to look here and go, Oh, all this stuff in the middle doesn't need to be here. So but it's still yeah, very entertaining and darn is it pretty to look at. <laughs> Well, let's, let's carry on. In issue 5, the Omega
0: Men and Adam Strange find out that the mysterious thing within that tam- containment is something that fires an Omega Beam, or a modified Zeta Beam, meant to move large masses between galaxies, and ultimately, you could see that becoming one of the most powerful weapons in the universe. Unfortunately for the Omega Men, the Spider Guild has found them. In order to stop them from nabbing the Zeta weapon, Tigor, who Shag lovingly discussed in an episode of Who's Who, I'm sure. I did! <laughs> Tigor has set the reactor core to self-destruct and the Omega Men escape. Strange discovers the destination of Ran from Arton. The two escape narrowly from the explosion and they all head for Maltus. Unfortunately, the Thanagarians have gotten to L-E-G-I-O-N first, and the Omegans are marked as criminals. They catch a break when Adam tears open a hover pod soaked in zeta-beam radiation, only to find an occupant inside whom he knows, his father-in-law, Sardath.
2: We were so right. See? (laughs) We were so right.
0: We start issue six with Vril Docs and the L-E-G-I-O-N <laughs> searching for M-O-U-S-E, searching for Adam <laughs> Strange and the Omega Men, because they're all wanted criminals on Maltus. However, the supposed criminals are lying low now that they found Sardath, except it's not exactly Sardath. It's like a clone who claims that Hiding Ran was actually the real Sardath's idea, which I believe, because it does sound like something the real Sardath would try to pull. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the clone, Sardath, hands over coordinates for the new location of Ran, but just when they're about to leave for the new space, one of the Omega Men reveals himself to be a dirty, stinking, derlin shapeshifting spy. I hate it when that happens. Strange manages to Zeta-beam the creature into the last space, that he had beamed to the RAN supernova. They all return to the Omega Men ship, but are ambushed by... I'm just going to say Legion. Legion soldiers. (laughs) The Omega Men and Adam Strange are arrested on a Thanagarian intergalactic warrant. If you're keeping score, that's three times Adam Strange has been arrested. (laughs) Back on Thanagar... The hot lady commander prepares to follow them to Ran in order to please her energy-sucking master. Strange forces Vril Dox to hesitate, and he and Tigor escape via Zeta Beam, but Dox does manage to tag along. When it seems that uh, he has the upper hand, the green guy is suddenly shot by Alana, Adam Strange's gorgeous wife? Yes, she is. We do get pretty good cliffhangers. Now, admittedly, sometimes, you know, maybe, you know, some of those 18, 19 pages in the middle could be compressed a little bit, but we do tend to get pretty good 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 ending ending scenes. Page turners, as they say.
2: Absolutely. And again, it's so gorgeous. You don't care. And again, it took me three readings to even figure out that there was that it could have gone faster. (laughs) Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> one of the things I like about Adam Strange is that he is a you know classic sci-fi character, but he's also part of a family. Mm-hmm. Both Alana and Sardath, key integral parts of the backstory. So, it's, if you have an Adam Strange story, they need to be parts of it, for better or worse. They're going to be there there, and and I enjoy seeing that.
2: Well, the cliffhanger where she shoots Vril Dox in the back, which is great and i don't think i've mentioned this yet but um alana so hot <laughs> and if i didn't mention it i really should have because that one page after she is shot of earl docks and she says uh says like honey or adam or whatever wow he really brought that page tell me i'm wrong
0: uh you are not wrong
2: last page of issue six yep it's uh it's a corker wow
0: so again, I like bringing in other elements of you know of the DC sci-fi universe, mm-hmm. the, the L-E-G-I-O-N. Uh, again, <laughs> we mentioned the Omega Men, you know. So I like we're, we are going to get the Dark Stars. So I like sort of building just a little bit larger DC sci-fi universe.
2: Yeah. Now you made fun of Tigor So earlier, he is probably the most. F- interesting or fun yeah. or, or approachable Omega Men there is. So they clearly, they they know that, and they make him sort of the feature character as well. He has a great line I love in this one. When they're on the space station, he says, we got to blow this MacGuffin before those <laughs> lousy bugs get their claws on it. I mean, it is clearly <laughs> telling you right then and there that this is just to keep things moving along. And I, I love that. I think it's
0: hilarious. That. that is hilarious.
2: So self-aware. Because again, this was uh, issue five, which I felt like was a sort of another spinning wheels issue. But it it was still exciting, and the Spider Guild stuff was very fun. I do think Darkseid's going to slap him with a cease and desist on the term Omega Beam, but you know we'll just see if Apocalypse gets in. I mean, so many other planets are involved, I don't know why Apocalypse wouldn't get involved.
0: And again, we're fans of Doctor Who. We recognize sometimes middle chapters of things. (laughs) Mm, You know what I'm saying? This is not the first time we've run into this concept.
2: Episode three, running up and down corridors. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> now, uh, I or will say. Or getting get arrested six, again. Right.
2: <laughs> now, once you get to issue six, I mean, my note actually says, okay, things finally moving along like I expected the past two issues. So, issue Ooh, six, things really you. get cranked. And it's from here on out, it is awesome all the way to the end.
0: One of the things I like in here is, you know, in comic books. You know, we get this idea sometimes of re-examining a premise, you know, key a key bit of a character storyline and seeing what a, a modern creator can do with that. You know, sometimes, you know, we've had characters that live forever. So what's the downside of that? You know, you can't make social connections or that sort of thing. Or we examine, mm-hmm. you know, we take it for granted for decades that the Green Lantern rings are rings usually yellow. Right. Then we tell a pretty good story about why. You know, we a, a creator pulls on that string later.
2: Let me know when that pretty good story is Okay. Hey, okay, I haven't okay. read it
0: yet. <laughs> Let's say uh, a story is, 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 is created from that. There we go. And here, we've just taken the Zeta Beam for granted. Mm-hmm. It is an immensely,
2: incredibly powerful thing. It's kind of surprising it hasn't become the yeah. uh, center of an intergalactic war before now. Exactly. But exactly. he never Sardath never built one though that could teleport planets. before Right, that.
0: exactly. But I I like the idea of you know we've had this concept laying around for fifty years of this Zeta beam. What else could we do with it? Yep. You know, or what else could a character in the story do with that knowledge? So it sort of comes out of the blue, but but it's it's in the DNA of the
2: character. I do have some questions about the Zeta Beam, but I'm going to hold it till after we finish issue eight, discuss- because there is some usage of it in there. I kind of go, "Huh? Hmm. Beam me up, Scotty. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's in my notes. <laughs> All right, you ready to bring this on home? Just do it. It's so good. It is so good. Folks, you have you gotta pick this thing up. I mean again, you will thank us if nothing else for the just breathtaking art. It's so it's and it's a rollicking good sci fi adventure.
0: And we get issue seven, Adam Strange finally reunited with his family on RAN. And it took me however many pages into that to realize, okay, this is real. I was thinking this is a hallucination, another daydream. This this is and then you have to go back and read it again once you realize oh this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. So they tricked me on that. He also finally gets an explanation as to why Ran had been replaced. You know there was fear of this Omega event or the coming of this being Starbreaker, who is revealed as that uh, Hot Thanagarian's secret master.
2: <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You're sure You're following you... the wrong horse in that race. <laughs>
0: You can uh, you know, fill us in a little bit, Shag, on, on where he got this idea of Starbreaker uh, in a second, but to me, he's sort of Galactus. He just wants to absorb the energy, feed off of these planets, and oh, there's man. this amazing power you know, from the Zeta and Omega Beams, and Sardath hid Ran, and then destroyed the Omega Beam in order to, to prevent, you know, prevent that from happening. And Together, they do discover that it was Valkyr who was behind the problems that Strange had been facing. They also realize that she's been tracking him the entire time. The Starbreaker is let loose on the Sons of Ran, and Vrildox escapes back to Legion headquarters like a green-skinned coward. (laughs) With the Starbreaker gaining more and more power, the Omega Men and Ran's forces band together to stop him, but then Valkyr shows up inside you know, the war room of the good guys on Ran. And then in the finale, issue 8, the energy vampire, Starbreaker, absorbs the energy of Ran's three sons and now sets his sights on the planet itself. Meanwhile, Adam and Ran's defenses work to battle the Thanagarian warships who were there. But when all seems lost, a Legion assault fleet and the rest of the Omega Men arrive to fight this uh, death cult. Because Vril Dox was in fact not a coward. He left to get help. Combined with the power of the Dark Stars, they take the battle to Starbreaker. As the new guys create a diversion, Adam Strange destroys the Thanagarin warship single-handedly with a little mm, Zeta Beam... Shenanigans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> once he realizes that the warship was a diversion itself, he rockets back to Sardeth and Alana to save them from Valkyr. After Adam can't pull the trigger on the hot Thanagarian, Alana steps in and delivers the killing blow. Woo! <laughs> Meanwhile, the Dark Stars are defeated and Rand retreats but not back to their planet. They send the planet to an entirely new galaxy. Unfortunately, they've ended up in the Thanagar system. Even worse, a grenade destroys the Omega Beam, trapping them there. And even worse, Thanagar's gravitational balance has been tipped, throwing Thanagar towards its own sun. The end, which are words that should have appeared four pages sooner... (laughs) <laughs> as soon as Valkyr died that was really the end and this is the denouement the lead in to the next set of stuff yes so I like stories that have beginnings, middles and ends not beginnings, middles and to be continued Yeah. so again if yeah. you stop reading four pages early it has an ending
2: <laughs> yeah so you want to know the story behind that yeah All right, so uh, again, this all comes from this interview with Andy Diggle. He had been told that this miniseries they've asked him to write will be a lead-in to something tying to a big big crossover. So they said, okay, it's going to lead into this rand Thanagar war. And he's like, oh, cool. And I I quote, he quote says, wow, great. So do you want me to start that war in this book? Or is it going to happen in another title? In which case, let me know how the war begins. And they wouldn't tell him. They didn't tell him. They didn't tell him. (laughs) And he's writing issue seven and so they finally tell him. So for issue eight, he was already like, okay, I need I need to know what starts this war now. So that when DC finally told him, that's why it all happens right at the end. He even says here, um, what does he say? So it feels like the story's taken a sudden left turn right at the end. That's because it did. <laughs> Up until that point, everything had been planned. Then at the end, I was told, hey, well, here's how the story's going to end. So yes, that is absolutely why those last four pages just go, Arr! We're going over here
0: now. I hope his his original script ended it on, you know, the next to last page, and then he proposed one page of text
2: (laughs) (laughs) just to explain what happens next, to stick it to DC. Right. Well, what led me down this whole path of investigating was, like you, I'm like, wow, that was a real hard turn at the end. And then I spent a lot of time looking at the art. And if you look at the art in those last four pages and you ignore the word balloons – you could actually tell a different story there. Mm. So it's possible that if they were doing this kind of Marvel style, I don't know, that he may have already drawn the art before he even knew how he was going to write out the ending. Right. So, cause yeah, cause it's a lot of, movies, it,
0: it's a lot of talky talk and narration and, boxes and,
2: and staring off into the distance. <laughs> right. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> nothing there that couldn't have been like, well, we did it. We survived. We're going to keep going, you know, it's, or something like that.
0: It's one of those scenes in the movie where you're shooting the character from behind and you're hearing their voice <laughs> in ADR a minute. That was filmed eight <laughs> months after I'm positive.
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that is so it's not a bad ending. It's still no. very exciting because it leaves you going, Oh wow. Okay. This war between Thanagar and Rand just got bad. And, and I read, I reread the Rand Thanagar war immediately afterwards. And I remembered back in 2005 when I read it, I was kind of like lukewarm on it, reading it now. Cause it's, it's written by Dave Gibbons. Okay. That's good. Okay, yeah. It's, drawn by Ivan Reese, dude. Nice. Wow, okay, that's really good. And it's a pretty darn entertaining read. However, guess what? The <laughs> last issue, right at the end, after you think it's, like you said, a beginning, middle, and an end, oh, and a new beginning, it takes another hard turn, which leads you to Infinite Crisis. So this so. isn't. So this one that we've done isn't
0: even the countdown to Infinite Crisis. It's the countdown to the book that's going to be the countdown
2: to Infinite <laughs> Crisis. Yes, yes. <laughs> So why are we covering this? Other than it's really good. It's really
0: good. I'm going with that. We claimed it first.
2: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, Diggle. Diggle does say in the interview that um, if this was a, you know, he was told it was going to be a lead into that. But it made me wonder. You know, when, before I read that article, I did write down: was this really planned as a lead up to Infinite Crisis, or is it just serendipity? And I think it, it's a little bit of both. You know. Yeah. So, all right, I've got notes on this issue. First thing was, I did notice something in this issue that I hadn't noticed in the other issues, especially uh, the scene where Adam's reunited with his family. Alana is smoking hot. Uh, You should take note of that. You hadn't
0: noticed that before?
2: I had not noticed that before. Um, This guy does not know how to draw her unattractively. Woof! Beautiful. Other stuff like... uh, Oh, okay, so Starbreaker. So we were talking about Starbreaker earlier. Uh, He was in editorial direction. They said, give this character, put this character in there, because apparently, I guess... um, uh, Dan DiDio liked the character yeah. and, and he read up on him and he's like okay this character is very cheesy and he was uh, he decided how to make him interesting well I had to do the research because the, the picture do you remember who they showed like when they're telling the recap who uh, Starbreaker was fighting no Firestorm close Blue Beetle <laughs> and Booster Gold Oh, that's right. I did see that. I did and see I, that. For those of you at home who don't know, I do a podcast called Justice League International, Ha Podcast, all about these characters and their bromance. And so I was like, "What the what?" So I got on the Google, started doing the research, and I had forgotten. Yeah, uh, it's not actually in my beloved Keith Giffen, JMD Mateus era. It's actually the issues by Dan Jurgens that immediately follow uh, okay. the Keith okay. JMD Mateus era. They fought Starbreaker. So I completely forgot. So this, uh in theory, that's this would be, I guess, Starbreaker's next, you know, major appearance. Well, I would say se- issue seven. Uh, I felt like issue seven was very solid. I felt it was great. If things got moving forward. There was lots of explanation. The action began. Seven was great. Eight was fantastic as well. I loved the fight. Lots and lots of exciting stuff with the fight. You mentioned the shenanigans with the Zeta Beam. We have to talk about. Because <laughs> he, yeah, he
0: he Zeta beams the uh, reactor core. The uh, reactor core into the middle of their ship. I don't think you can do. That. You can't control it. It just happens.
2: Right, exactly. I, I, it just snatches you from one galactic point to another you, galactic point. You, you have to be in the right place at the right time. So he teleports from outside the ship into the reactor core, then teleports the reactor core to the bridge, and then teleports out of the ship. Basically, you said Star Trek, and that's actually what I have in. Or you said beam me up, Scotty. My note says it's just like a Star Trek teleporter at this point, and uh, it was cool. It was amazing. But I don't think it works that way. It's supposed
0: to be so pretty you wouldn't think about it. And so dramatic and so,
2: oh, yeah, this
0: one guy,
2: he did this.
0: Yeah. Those
2: were the emotions you're supposed to be having Not
0: What? What? What?
2: Yep. <laughs> so we mentioned the Dark Stars. And, yes, in that same article, uh, Andy Diggle does reveal that he was told to put the Dark Stars in the story with the specific purpose to kill them. Uh, so that maybe someone else could reboot them later down, later on. My note before I'd read that article was the Dark Star's death was very sad. And sort of like uh, the old adage, if a Dark Star dies in space and no one's there to see it, does a fanboy really care? No, they don't. It's the Dark Star's <laughs> yeah, folks. exactly.
0: Yeah, of, uh, of all the sci-fi elements that are in this story, they are easily the most disposable.
2: Yeah, so they, quite literally. They
0: serve their purpose. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> so, um, Alana, again, last issue, super hot, but also super capable, taking down the Wing Commander. That made me very happy. That was very cool.
0: Especially after that, you can't shoot a woman, strange, and then the other strange does. Well, and because I think... Adam was a little hesitant, and, and you know, you know Valkyr knew that.
2: And, and I think that was needed, because so far in the miniseries, yeah. Alana had been shown to be fairly, you know, well, she was, she was, you know, his his heart's desire for a long time. And then once she shows up, she was kind of in a passive role and the Alana Mm -hmm. I remember is a bit of a butt kicker. And so I, I I was happy to see her take action and be part of the resolution of the plot um, because I felt like, and she, she really does deserve, I mean, she's, she's a cool star too from everything I remember. Mm
0: -hmm. It should be written as a, you know, 50, 50 partnership.
2: Yeah. They, I mean, they really try to do that years later in the Justice League United book. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Jeff Lemire, but I, I I, never did quite feel like that. That was Adam and Alana. It it was them walking around in their names and their clothes, but it never really felt like them to me. Yeah.
0: I mean, they're not exactly Katar and Shiera, but you know, <laughs> a, a, a little bit like Ralph and Sue,
2: maybe? Yeah. No, I'll give you that. No. Sure. So I have questions for you about... Okay. Uh, adam strange and things along those lines like for example would you what did you the armor i mean that's a big thing they completely after all these years you know however long it'd been 50 years 40 years whatever redesigning adam strange's armor how do you as an adam strange purist if you will or or fanboy what do you how do you feel about it does he have a jetpack yes does he have a ray gun yes
0: does he have a fin yes is it white and red yes nothing else matters to me that that's enough that's enough yeah that is I, the answer I'm looking for. Some, some of our comic book colleagues get hung up on details that, that may be a little too uh, detailish for me to notice. Gotcha. You need to get the big things right.
2: I do think that this new costume design is what made me like the character so much, or what made me mm-hmm. give the character another chance. Let's put it that way. Because they did revert him back to his old school costume in, was it the Holy War? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down the line, they reverted him back to the the skin tight leotard or whatever. And my eyes just glazed over.
0: (laughs) I get that. I I
2: get that. I stopped caring because it looks, and part of it's, you know, Pascal fairy here, but part of it, but also Ivan Reese made it look great too. It's a great redesign. It looks really modern and cool. So uh, I I love it. Yeah. So we get Sardath with his electronic eye, which looks really cool in here, which is gone by the (laughs) War, by the way. Okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping it would be there. So uh, as again, the, uh, Ad- the Adam Strange sort of expert here. Fan. Respecter.
0: Respecter and fan.
2: There we not go. That's, expert. Nice. That's a nice way to put it. Uh, do you feel like there's, there's major retcons going on here? Do you feel like these are faithful representations of the characters? Do you feel like this is an Adam Strange story, even though Sardath wasn't the bad guy?
0: Again, I am mellow and laid back about these things. I'm not one to say... That's not my fill in the blank. Or my favorite is, to use it in in this analogy, Adam Strange would never do that. Uh, I just read the issue he did. (laughs) (laughs) That is, to me, the silliest thing I've ever heard anyone say. That's funny. Um, I am laid back about continuity, laid back about, again, to me, they're they're just core elements that have to be there. Mm Mm-hmm. And that you know applies to any character. I do not get lost in the weeds. This is coming from someone who has a background in accounting, <laughs> and I do not get lost in the weeds. And you know has a meticulous record of my entire of my comic book collection. Right? I care about details in some things, but it doesn't matter to these things. And maybe that's because you know one of my first fictional loves was Sherlock Holmes. Mm. And Arthur Conan Doyle was not a real big believer in continuity. (laughs) You know, Watson's uh, army regiment, his war uh, injury, you know, floated around his body. (laughs) His history with women varied from story to story, whether he was married or not married or had girlfriends. What Sherlock Holmes knew and didn't know varied from story. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, being raised on those stories. Where continuity mm, not a high priority, yeah, bled into me. So continuity is not uh, not a high priority. I I want a story that's enjoyable, and this we, was a very enjoyable story,
2: which I think is a perfect reason why you're an economics professor and not an auditor with that accounting background. <laughs> <of> yours. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things you asked me to do is bring some context to yep. the story. So this all is right.
0: J.L. May. This is we, we need a little infinite crisis talk. We need a little. Little, uh, where this fits into the DC universe of 2004.
2: So to give you some picture on the creative team, you know, Andy Diggle. At this point, he was still fairly new to mainstream comics, which is really surprising. Uh, He had really only been writing for the the big companies for about 18 months at this point. He had done some Hellblazer. He was really known for Losers. He'd done some Swamp Thing, and then comes into this. You know, again, before that Green Arrow miniseries, which really helped break his name. Uh, Pascal Ferry actually had been in the business since 1993. So I'm really interested. I I, I recognize his name, but I don't remember ever seeing anything like this. So I want to go back and look for some of his other stuff because I found it fascinating. Now, as far as Adam Strange goes, it had been about four years since he had really been featured prominently. And that would have been like in the Starman series. He was in there and he was in a JLA special. It was real important. He had some cameos and some other appearances like in Impulse and Superman and Greenland or stuff like that. But nothing significant. Then you get this miniseries, which is technically at the time was just called Adam, Adam uh, Strange. Planet Heist was the interior name, but eventually that became the name of the trade paperback. It's been called Planet Heist ever since. And check this out. So issue number eight of this miniseries comes out on May – I think it was May 11th or something like that. The same day Ray and Thanagar number one comes out. (laughs) Talk about symmetry. Perfect. Wow. So, and again, I already mentioned Dave Givens. uh, Ivan Reese was that one. And it really was designed – this was supposed to feed into – uh, of in, sorry Jake,
0: time Just to inter- interrupt you, in, interestingly enough, on that same day, yeah, uh, Doomsday Clock number one came out
2: because uh, <laughs> that's eight, how long
0: it took to finish six, 16 years ago on that same day.
2: <laughs> oh, they're all they're both Jeff Johns, so I'm gonna tell you safe. that. <laughs> so, um, the way it works is leading up to Infinite Crisis, and you guys have heard this if you've done the other JLMA shows, but there were four main miniseries. There, there was Countdown Infinite Crisis, then there were the four miniseries, which is the Ran Thanagar War, uh, Villains United, uh, Day of Vengeance, and OMAC Project. And those were really supposed to build you up for eight issues to leading right to Infinite Crisis, and that's where it did. So again, so you could read seamlessly sort of from Planet Heist for eight issues, Ran Thanagar War. Right in Infinite Crisis. So, you you could have a nice flow through there. You get a different experience from each one. Personally, again, my preference, I think Planet Heist is the most exciting of all of them. In fact, after we finished, uh, or after I finished rereading it again, I went back to look at issue one, and man, just what an epic ride this thing is. I mean, it's truly galactic hopping, Mm -hmm. massive story at a huge scale, and it's super fun and beautiful. And um, yeah, I I love it. Yeah, I
0: I think it manages to combine the epic sweep and be a family story at the same time yeah you know being able to focus in on a few key characters while telling this again as you say literal galactic size story
2: well some of my favorite characters are the married kind uh you mentioned adam strange i love animal man with his wife ellen and his kids i I love when a character has kids when they gave superman and lois you know jonathan as a son i I found those stories very interesting so I'll, i'll leave us on one more thing so in that same interview with Andy Diggle, he actually said he had a sequel to this miniseries in mind.
0: Oh, wow.
2: He says the, um, the ending wouldn't have been Adam saving Rand by using the Zeta Beam to go off to um, the, the Thanagarian. In fact, I wonder if this is how it was originally written, by the way. <laughs> it got changed. Uh, in his version, they didn't go to the Polaris system where Thanagar is. They went to some unknown system. And he doesn't know where they were. And just to stop the bad guys from finding it. So the way the new ongoing, because he had an ongoing series right. in mind, It would basically be Adam Strange roaming the universe, trying to find Rand. Like he right. sent Rand away and right. didn't go with it. So he's trying to find Rand, trying to find his family. One lone man, a quest, sort of. Like, and he says, sort of like Swiss Family Robinson in space.
0: Perfect. That's that a would have pitch. been what a great awesome. pitch. Yeah.
2: Mm. So. I really appreciate the opportunity to revisit this series because I have been meaning to for a long time, Alan. And uh, I just I I loved every bit of it. it and, so much you know,
0: And and not to be too uh, you know self serving for our JL May colleagues, but here's the thing: I was still out of comics at this point. Really? So I haven't read a lot of these. I've read Adam. I've read this one maybe six seven years ago because I'm an Adam Strange fan. I got the I I got I got the trade, but I was out of comics till probably two thousand seven, two thousand eight, from the mid nineties. Not to be fair, if you're going to be out of comics for any decade, that was a pretty good decade to be out of comics. But <laughs> it 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 means that Villains United and some of these other ones that you mentioned that I that our colleagues and friends will be getting to are going to be first reads for me.
2: Oh, okay.
0: But uh, definitely really enjoyed this. And again, I can't speak for the whole crossover, but I think we may have gotten the best
2: end of this deal. Well, I I don't want to promise that just yet because I'm not 100% sure because I promised Michael Bailey I would help a lot on this JLMA crossover. So I actually have many more episodes within the crossover to record. So what you folks at home don't know is that Alan and I are recording this in 2016 so getting ready for the 2020 JL May. So I'm not exactly sure which episodes I'm going to be on. So I don't want to speak ill of anything too much because I might be part of that, uh, that crossover. So as you listen to JL May, uh, listen to me rave about how good the other stuff I, I read is as, as well.
0: All right. Well, have yourself a happy JL Shag. I mean, so, what is it? <laughs> you know, appreciate you uh, joining me for this jet-packed journey through space. So where else? Can our relatively geeky listeners uh, find you?
2: Well, the primary place is over on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. There I host shows on Aquaman and Firestorm, or co-host, I should say, shows on Aquaman and Firestorm, or Who's Who, or Digest, or uh, Justice League International, all that kind of stuff, and, all and kinds of And the good thing
0: is that, you know, you are so particular and nailed down to a format on that main Fire and Water show, the only thing you ever talk about is Aquaman and Firestorm. You never talk about it. You never change the premise for your show. Because evidently, if someone decides that, you know, maybe 10 years of inflation, I can spend a little bit more on a comic. But no, that's that's out of the question. Sorry, what were you saying?
2: I just heard a bunch of yammering there. Instead, you know what? You guys know where to find me. I will say, as far as this era that you missed... Uh, I will say the last uh, – this sounds terrible, but it's it's meant in a positive way, folks. The last time I was really, 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 really excited, super excited for DC Comics was in the year 2005, yeah. leading up to Infinite Crisis. This whole lead-up with these four miniseries that people are covering, plus Planet Heist, plus Infinite Crisis, and all the other stuff going on in the DC Universe – was such an exciting time to be a fan i remember being on message boards and things like that you know we used smoke signals back then too but just communicating with other fanboys and legitimately being excited wanting desperately to know it was going to come out in next week's comic and that was a wonderful time so while there's a lot of darkness that came out of this era there's a, there was a lot of fanboy excitement so it was it was fun and i'm looking forward to reliving a lot of it so go check all these things out folks jl may always good to talk to you shag
0: and to you and to everyone, happy J.L. May! Uh, now, let me ask you this while I'm working on working on this for a second. Uh, how bad are comic book shops going to be? Crushed.
2: I think they might be crushed. I think it's over. Uh, I think it's pretty close. Because I think what's going to happen is so many are su- at subsistence level. When we did that special a couple years ago, I remember saying that... All we are is one bad month. I remember that. And it could all end. Because what will happen is it'll be a death spiral. Because even if half the comic shops survive, or let's just say 30% go, does Diamond have enough customers then to support the model? I don't think it does. I think the model falls apart. They're going to have to
0: raise their prices.
2: Exactly.
0: For delivery, you've talked about that. And then that squeezes the margins on the stores. Maybe they can't give either the discounts Yep, for poll lists, or and then spiral. Yeah. Now you better be on good good behavior. I'm just saying. I have Tim Price warming up in the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, and Panarese is standing by his cell phone just in case. I'm just oh, I'm just God. saying.
2: I'm doing all right. How about you, sir? Good, good, good. Valerie says hello. Oh, I'll tell her I say hello. I said, she is my favorite of the two of you. What? I mean, after a near life death, you know, death and life sort of experience with someone, (laughs) you feel a closer bond to them. See, I thought you were gonna say that she was your favorite Middleton, and then I'd have to stand up for him. So no, see, I'm not that foolish. (laughs) Exactly. I I mean, if anything, I'm I'm the anomaly out of everyone because, like, you know, everyone else is like going stir (laughs) crazy. Tell me about it. And they're all like working from home so hard, and oh my god, I want to get out of the house. And you know, I was already working from home. I'm a freaking nerd, uh, so I'm home and you know home work and podcasting and comics are pretty much my life besides the family so I don't go anywhere
0: hey professor it's Tim here I heard you were recording with Shag so if he gets out of hand and you need me just let me know who are we kidding it's
2: more like when Shag gets out of hand right right (sighs) so how how do you have the comic book DB information if it's gone did you copy it months ago okay this is embarrassing.
0: <gasps> when I learned that they were going to close down, yeah, I went through all the issues in the quarter of database, mm-hmm. and all the issues I knew we were going to talk about. That's where this one fits in. Yeah, and I checked on Comic Book DB to see if there was a synopsis there.
1: Ah. And
2: I them over. so I have all the issues that had synopses there. Yeah, and and this might not even be worth keeping in the podcast. You people at home are probably like, I don't want to hear this crap. But I, that was the single best resource for podcasters. It was amazing, just the way the linkage of appearances That's and the secret, yeah, and the pencilers and the writers and everything else. It was astonishing.
0: Yeah, the way it was organized. I mean, there are uh, other sites that have basically the same information but there was something about the comic book DB just because of said the way it was structured, structured yeah. and linked and organized made it incredibly user-friendly.
2: I would pay for that service yeah. if anyone were listening. <laughs> and if Alan hadn't cut this part of the discussion to shorten the show. <laughs> I do that sometimes. You should.
0: <laughs> hey, Professor, it's Tom. You know, if you need me to step in, just let me know. I mean,
2: we've all been in your position unfortunately and and you know i i'm 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 here i'm here for you
0: man i'm here i go to things like uh midwest finance okay eastern finance uh, mm-hmm. some of those have accounting because i do finance and accounting
2: you don't work out you're say you're weighing any of the las vegas ones or anything like that
0: you know that was before I had tenure. That's what one of the tenured guys says. You go to the conferences based on where they're located. Mm-hmm. I I go to them based on uh, I'm not really not sure why. I'm still I'm uh, for well for about five years now I've looked for one in Oklahoma or Iowa just because we've got nerds there. Right, but that's right. never worked out. That's, I haven't, I haven't I haven't nailed a conference in Des Moines or something like that or <laughs> Oklahoma City where I could find some people, but. But my wife is as hot as Alana. <laughs> All right,
2: hold on. Let me come back into this. Hold on. You serious? have got to cut this out. All right.